Hello, and welcome to Camino de Nature Project's podcast stories, where we tell stories about nature for children ages 5 to about 13, although many adults like them as well. So, let's begin, shall we? Have you ever heard the song School Days? It goes, School days, school days, dear old golden rule days. Reading and writing and arithmetic, taught to the tune of a hickory stick. You were my queen of calico, I was your barefoot bashful bow, and you rode on my slate. I love you, Joe, when we were a couple of kids. Now, in that song, did you hear the word slate? Do you know what slate is? Yep, it's another word for chalkboard. In the olden days, before it was easy to cut down trees and write on them, and when we respected one of Mother Earth's very best creations, trees, when we respected that enough to not just cut it down and use it as scratch paper, well, back then, students had slates. They practiced their writing and did their math on these small slates, and when they were done, they just wiped them clean and they did a new activity. Now, over the billions of years of geologic time, slate has had many other uses other than chalkboards, and it continues being used even more today. Probably one of my favorite uses is chalkboards, but another very interesting use leads me to a very appropriate story for this time of year. Do you know what month it is? October. Do you know what holidays are at the end of this month? Halloween and Dia de los Muertos. So do you think today's story will be scary? Hmm. Well, not really, but maybe just a tad, for it is not close to Halloween. Let's begin, shall we? Once upon a time, a long, long time ago, not quite 4.6 billion years ago when the Earth started, but about 400 years ago, there was a boy, Samuel, who was the son of a very pious group of people in England. Now, these people, hmm, they... Um, Well, they wanted to purify their church. Now, they looked to the Bible and they interpreted it it so that they thought working hard, um, that was how they best honored their God. So, our boy Samuel, he spent his days working and studying his Bible and classic literature. His mother and father did the same. Well, in England, there were a lot of other Puritans, like Samuel and his family, but there were a lot of other people who were not Puritans. And we'll see, the Puritans didn't agree with the masses, and the masses didn't agree with the Puritans, and so the Puritans, like, well, decided 
let's get out of here. And they decided that rather than being there in England, that it would be better to sail halfway around the world to the new continent of North America, a new continent where the climate was harsh, where they heard it was uncivilized, and it was completely foreign to everything they knew. Well, they thought that was better than staying in England, and they thought by moving to this new continent, they could start a whole new community based on their beliefs, their beliefs of self-reliance, moral rigor, and political localism. So they hired a boat and began to pack up and plan for a new life in the so-called new world. Now at this time, not too far from where Samuel lived, there lived a dog named Daisy. Yep, the very same dog who was in a story a few weeks ago. Now Daisy is amazing and is still alive today. But at the time of this story, 400 years ago, Daisy lived in some gorgeous estate with an or earl or a duke or something very regal. She lived the life of a royal beagle and spent her days with a pack of other beagles running through the countryside chasing rabbits. She loved chasing rabbits. She loved the smell of rabbits. She loved the soft fur of rabbits. She loved the long ears of rabbits. She loved everything about them. And she was good at hunting rabbits. She put her nose to the ground and followed the scent wherever it went. Now, one day, she was in her kennel with the other beagles, and a rabbit ran by. Daisy barked and howled. As the rabbits just kept hopping by, Daisy's urge to chase grew. Daisy is a very smart dog and very athletic. And so with one big leap, she jumped over the fence and was after the rabbit. The rabbit ran this way and that until she was in town. Daisy followed her every move. And then the rabbit ran up, up, a ramp. Daisy followed, nose to the ground. The ramp led up to a ship. The very same ship that Samuel and the rest of the Puritans were packing up. They were loading the very last crates and were about to set sail. Everyone was so busy, no one noticed the rabbit, or the beagle. The rabbit hop, hop, hopped across the deck and down the stairs to the cargo hold. Daisy followed. Next thing you know, the Puritans lifted anchor and set sail. Daisy didn't notice a thing and kept searching for the rabbit among all the crates in the cargo hold. But a few hours later, Daisy finally noticed that she was not feeling well. She was seasick. She plopped down on her belly and moaned with nausea. There she lay all day and night. The next day, Samuel was sent down to the cargo hold to get apples, and he found Daisy. 
He was overjoyed, as he was not allowed a pet back home. He comforted poor sick Daisy and took her to see his father. Samuel's father was a stern man and saw no need for a scrawny sick dog. But as they were at sea and would be for months, he allowed Samuel to care for her, but made it clear that once they arrived in America, that he would have to let her go. Now, as the months went by, Samuel's fondness for Daisy grew, and Daisy's fondness for Samuel grew. When they finally reached land, true to his word, Samuel's father ordered Samuel to let Daisy go. With a sad heart, Samuel did as bade and told Daisy, shoo, once they set foot on the ground. Daisy simply followed Samuel and his father. Time and again, Samuel's father told Samuel to make her go away. But Daisy was always nearby. After the Puritans built houses, Samuel's father ordered Samuel to stop feeding Daisy. And he did. Daisy was unhappy for a bit, but then she began hunting rabbits. Occasionally, she brought one home for Samuel, too. And so that is how they spent summer and fall together. But then winter came. The winters in New England, Massachusetts, where they were, is much different than they were in London. It was way colder and much longer. The Puritans were not quite prepared for those living conditions. They didn't have a grocery store down the street. Everything they had, they had to find or make themselves, which was very different for them. And so food was scarce. Samuel's father was even more insistent that Daisy not be given any food as there was not enough to go around. But with each rabbit Daisy brought to the family... Samuel's father's heart began to warm towards Daisy, and he even became grateful to her for keeping his family alive and well. Most other families were not so lucky and didn't have a hunting dog. Many people got sick, and some even died. Samuel's grandfather was one of them. Now, he was quite elderly at 85. And so despite the rabbit from Daisy, Samuel's grandfather took ill and passed away in early spring. Many of those that died were buried and their graves were marked with stone or wooden crosses. Samuel's father was not about to have a wooden cross to commemorate his father. And he insisted that his father have a proper headstone. He sent Samuel off to find a suitable stone to make a headstone with. And so Samuel and Daisy set off in search of such a stone. High and low they searched, but all they could find were rounded river rocks and boulders. So they searched even further away. Finally, they came across a very, very large bed of stone. It was huge and seemed to run down a cliff on a hillside. 
Now, this particular stone was very dark gray and almost black. It had started as mud and clay 500 million years ago. As the mud and clay washed down a hillside, it settled under a shallow sea. Millions of years of sediment piled on top of the mud and compressed it into shale. Over many more millions of years, the continental and oceanic plates collided and twisted and compressed and lifted this shale. Eventually, that shale, with that additional compression and heat, metamorphed into slate. The minerals lined up and then elongated as they squished until they formed a rock slate that cleaves off fairly easily in one plane. And so Samuel thought this stone would be perfect. He had seen this very same stone in England on roofs. He knew that it could be carved and could be made into big flat slabs. And so he pulled with his fingers and dug with a stick to try to get a piece, but only thin pieces would chip and flake off. Daisy scratched with her paws, and the same thing happened. Only small pieces came loose. Finally, Samuel Samuel used his knife as a wedge between the cleavages and pounded down with a rock on top of his knife, and whoosh, it split as a big old slab. And this big old slab lay at Daisy's feet. Perfect, thought Samuel. He lifted one end and then tried to lift the whole thing in his arms to carry home. It was way too heavy. He thought, how am I going to get this home? He stared blankly as he he thought. And then Daisy yelped. Aha, Samuel thought. Daisy can carry it. He removed his suspenders, tied them around the rock, and then fashioned a harness of sorts for Daisy. He walked away, and Daisy slowly followed, pulling this giant slab behind her. She pulled for about 30 minutes and then sat down in peaceful protest. She was not moving anymore. Poor Daisy. Well, Samuel thought, if Daisy can do it, then so can I. So he put the harness around himself and pulled just like Daisy did. For miles, he and Daisy took turns pulling the stone until finally, just before nightfall, they arrived home. Samuel's father was pleased and told Samuel to begin carving in the morning. Samuel had never carved in his life, but the next morning he set to chipping away at the edges of the stone to make a nice rectangle, headboard shape, with mm, sort of shoulders on the sides. He used a chisel and stone. Not so bad, he thought. The next day, his father told him to keep going and to carve the inscription. He told him to keep the stone wet, lest it crack, and he have to go get another one. You can be sure Samuel kept his slate wet, as he was not about to have to redo two days' worth of work. In keeping with the Puritan tradition, Samuel carved, Here lies the body of Joseph, 85 years old. 
Additionally, he carved a scythe mid-swing among flowers, symbolizing the flowering of a man's life cut off by death and time. He also carved the bats of the underworld at the bottom. At the very top was a skull with serrated teeth and whole eyes, a thin elongated jaw, and a slash for a mouth. He also carved an hourglass with wings. It was nothing like our modern headstones that oftentimes have flowers or angels and words like in the memory of or cherished father of. You see, the Puritans viewed life and death in a way that might be a bit peculiar to most of us. They believed that their afterlife was predestined and most were destined to a life in hell. And so their gravestones were a reminder that life was fleeting. Despite the fact that they had no say in their afterlife status, they believed hard work would please their God and that wealth gained through their hard work meant they were in good standing with their God. And so the headstones were rather morbid and gruesome. In addition to the headboard-like headstone, there was a footboard, as if the body were in a bed underground. And so it was that Samuel's grandfather was buried. The Puritans very much approved of the stone and the type of headstone, and so it was mimicked in all the burials. Now, Daisy stayed with Samuel. She did not die, ever. She is still alive and well today. Now, Samuel, he married and had kids. Samuel's kids had kids. And when Samuel reached the ripe old age of 85, he passed away, just like his grandfather did. In keeping with the Puritan way, his headstone and burial was just like that of his grandfather, complete with a skull, winged hourglass, scythe, and flowers and bats on the headboard. Now, poor Daisy was heartbroken at Samuel's passing. She had spent 75 years with Samuel. And so, when the funeral was done and the family left the cemetery, Daisy did not. She stayed right next to Samuel's grave. She simply put her head down and rested. It got darker and darker. The moon was full. Hours later, a rabbit ran right in front of Daisy. Now, as we all know, Daisy can't resist a rabbit, and so she chased this rabbit all throughout the cemetery, zigging and zagging among the scary, near-black, skull-covered headboards and footboards, nose to the ground, until, whoop, Daisy fell into a hole. Now, this hole did not go all the way to the center of the earth. Nope. It went six feet down 
Daisy landed with a plop onto a wooden casket. She heard a crack, and then Daisy was in the casket. As she sniffed around in the casket, still looking for the rabbit, she heard a voice. Who dares to disturb my sleep? Daisy gulped and looked up to see a partially decomposed skeleton sitting up in the casket. Daisy was scared, frozen. She couldn't move. She couldn't even breathe. The skeleton glowered at her until her voice softened and said, Oh, what a pretty puppy. The skeleton lifted a bony arm and reached out to pet dear scared Daisy with her bony fingers. Daisy was scared, stiff, and motionless. As the skeleton raised her arm, a finger bone fell off and plopped to the ground. That woke Daisy up from her terror. Daisy quickly grabbed the finger bone in her teeth and jumped as high and hard as she could out of the grave. Apparently, Daisy could not resist bones any more than she could resist rabbits. And so Daisy ran and ran and ran, tail tucked as fast as she could towards the exit of the cemetery. The skeleton was not happy about Daisy taking her finger bone. And it flew up like it levitated up out of the grave and chased after Daisy floating in the air. The skeleton howled like the wind and yelled at Daisy, Give me back my finger! Daisy ran. The skeleton flew. The cemetery was big. All that chasing of rabbits taught Daisy something. She realized she was the prey. And if she, this prey, was going to survive, she needed to zig and zag. So Daisy zigged and zagged through the scary skull-covered headboards and footboards. But the skeleton was gaining on her. Daisy could see the wire fence that marked the end of the cemetery. If she could just get there before the skeleton got her, she thought she would be safe. And so Daisy pushed hard and with all her might leapt toward and over the wire fence. The skeleton screeched to a halt at the fence. And when I say screech, I mean it screeched. The skeleton could not or would not leave the cemetery. Daisy was indeed safe. And so she ran all the way home. She buried that finger bone just outside the yard. And to this day, 400 years later, 
the finger bone remains in the ground. And to this day, Daisy will not go into a cemetery. Perhaps that is why she is 400 years old and counting. Stars and moon and sun, now my story is done.